Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Christian Skeptic. I'm your host, Sean Kerwin, and as always, it's my mission to take an honest look at our questions about Christianity through the lens of logic and reason. I'm not here to preach at you, just to start a conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, hello, podcast listeners and fellow Americans. I'm assuming, of course, that... uh, you are American. If you are not, then I apologize for this assumption, and this podcast episode may not be as relevant to you as others, but I wanted to take a break from our discussion on megachurches because we're in uh, probably not what is the most historical election ever, but possibly what is one of the most divisive election seasons we've ever been in. And so I wanted to pause and Take a stab at the question of how Christians should vote, or at least how Christians can properly engage in politics. And even making their voice heard on political issues and political candidates. Joining me on this discussion today is Ramon Perea. He is a national security professional who has been living and working in the D.C. area for the past five years. He already holds one degree in a political field and is currently pursuing a second political science degree. And I figured he would be a good one to have this discussion with as he has seen a lot of the uh, politics and and workings of politics and political figures firsthand and really has been in what is the political epicenter of our country, which is Washington, D.C. So, Ramon, thank you for joining The Christian Skeptic. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. So let's talk politics. You know, I think I'd like to address right off the bat that what we're getting into here is some pretty sticky stuff. Uh, When we're recording this, it's in the middle of a presidential election season. I don't know when you're listening to this, but right now we're in in the thick of it. It's a hyper-political season. It's very charged. And uh, I think, you know, two things we're not supposed to talk about are religion and politics. And here you've invited me to talk about both publicly. Thanks for that, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. There's so many ways we can go with this conversation and conversations like these have sort of a tendency to, you know, end up somewhere completely different than where we meant to go or where we started. So I think what I'd like to do right off the bat is use this dialogue as an example of how, you know, a believer can engage in politics and talk through this stuff in a civil manner. Yeah, definitely. And I I would even like to kind of stop right there and, you know, speak to something I mentioned at the start of this episode, which is that we are in one of the most divisive seasons uh, for the election and just for our country in general. And so I'd like to kind of talk about that as to how believers, how we as Christians should respond to the divisiveness in our country, right? And obviously, uh, the answer to that is that we should not be divisive, that we should pursue unity. But how can we do that in a political conversation or a political realm? Is it simply the answer of just staying out of politics? Or is there a way to engage? You know, and I think for some, the answer will be and even must be to stay out of politics, right? I think of uh, pastors and church leaders perhaps do a greater disservice to the church, capital C, right? The church at whole by engaging in political rhetoric and offering support of a certain political party. It doesn't matter if the party is right or left. When you offer support of a political party as a church or as a senior pastor or even an associate pastor, you you give room for division in the congregation. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I think you make a, a good point there. And, you know, it's no wonder that people hate this stuff. I think as a believer engaging in politics and, I mean, it's not just 
the narrative from the parties around us, or it's not just the pressure that's put on us. It's, I mean, there's a pandemic going on, there's pressure, there's polarization, and we have this divisive narrative pushing us in different directions on a lot of levels. And there are many conflicting voices. Some are facts, some are not, some are coming, you know, from politicians, some are coming within the church. And I think it's draining, I think we're weary. And uh, as a, a believer trying to engage in politics, I think, at least for myself, and it might be true for some other people, that we might feel somewhat politically homeless, that we don't know where to align, that this is controversial. And you know, if you're feeling that way, if you do feel like you don't have a place to call home in the political realm, I think that's because you're not home. First and foremost, we're Christ's ambassadors. We have a heavenly citizenship. And in that place, that's where we create our framework for a clear lens to view politics. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I, I think, um, you know, saying politically homeless uh, is, is a good way to phrase it, right? Because I think so many of us find ourselves in the position where you're saying, you know, I agree with certain things on the left and I agree with certain things on the right, but I don't agree with everything on the left and I don't agree with everything on the right, Yeah, you know? And I think it's important to remember that politics aren't our identity, right? And and this is kind of an obvious, easy Christian truth, right? Yeah. If you work at a coffee shop as a barista, you know, as a Christian, that your identity isn't just that you're a barista, right? I myself am an engineer. I know that as a Christian, my identity isn't in what I do, right? I know it's not in any of the hobbies I have as well. I know that it's rooted in Christ. And yet an election season comes around every four years, right? As it always does. And it gives us the narrative, whether the narrative is driven by, you know, fear or if the narrative is driven by an anger towards the other side of the political aisle, it pushes the narrative that you are defined by your political party, right? Red or blue, Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative. And it's important for us to remember that's not our identity. Yeah, yeah, I think that's spot on. And I think, like you said, that that is obvious, that I think that should be obvious, but I don't really think it's as obvious to us in the election season, like you were mentioning, as, as maybe it really should be, honestly. I think that um, because there's so much tension and there's so much pressure and you know politics really does have an impact on so many different facets of our life and it is important and we should be engaging in it and i think that we're consuming so much information that it's not as apparent to us as it should be and when we're taking politics and making it our identity it that's where it really becomes a problem that's when someone who comes to a different conclusion to, than you they're, they're not just opposing you politically they're opposing you as a person. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not actually how it is. That's just the way we perceive it. And it's hard for that not to happen when politics do become your identity. You, you see that people are different than you, vote different than you, as personally offensive, as an opponent to your identity. That's what we're witnessing in our culture. That's what we're seeing in our church. And that's how we slip into these echo chambers. And that's how we tribalize and I think that's really the root of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I would think if you're listening to this podcast and, you know, maybe you're realizing, wow, I have placed a little bit more of my identity or even just I've been given political rhetoric too large of a voice in my life. It's never too late and it's always a good time to continually remind yourself of the gospel, right? I think of the letters that Paul wrote, that Peter wrote, that John wrote throughout the, the New Testament. They wrote these letters to churches 
And throughout the letters, the most fundamental thing inside of them is, hey, this is the gospel and this is what it means for your life, right? Over and over and over again throughout the epistles, we see uh, the disciples of Jesus telling church members, this is the gospel, this is what it means. This is the gospel, this is what it means. This is the gospel, this is what it means, right? On top of that, they do have instructions on how believers and church members should interact with government and should interact with one another, right? Yeah, you're right. And I think for many people, this is this this really is a difficult situation. Maybe not for you. Maybe you know exactly where you stand politically and you know what your identity is. But I think a lot of Christians were kind of struggling with this. It's challenging for us. And I really believe that, you know, like you were saying in these times, connecting the dots between what is biblical, what is the gospel, what does the Bible say about this in our political world is hard. And I think what the message is, is we need to reflect. We need to stop and look at what we're standing for. What hill are we willing to die in? What's our message? No matter where you fall politically, you should proceed, I think, with patience, with grace, with mercy. And the loudest thing that should be coming from us is love. Yeah, definitely. I think you bring up a good point with asking the question, what hill are you willing to die on? And we've had this discussion before, and we know theologically there are essentials and non-essentials, right? Like the essentials are the gospel truths and the non-essentials are you know, perhaps some of the nuances of church, what flavor communion juice is best, or, you know, what temperatures of the baptism water be, right? Those are non-essentials that are not salvation issues. They are preference issues. And I think we need to establish for ourselves what are our political essentials and non-essentials, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's okay to hold a political ideology. If you're a conservative, that's okay. You're liberal, progressive, libertarian, what have you. It's okay even to be a member of a political party. We're not saying that that's not okay, but we derive these ideologies from a biblical perspective. We need to realize that there is a distinction between principle and politics. Don't get me wrong, we need to engage in our communities and the way we engage in our society matters, but the way we think about politics should matter. And uh, as important as you know, right now this presidential election is because it is so consequential, I, it's my opinion that I think God is more concerned about sitting on the thrones of our hearts than he is about putting our preferred candidate into the Oval Office. Absolutely. I would completely agree with that. And I think one of the ways we can tell that God is on the throne of our hearts is how well do we love our neighbor, right? If we are Christians, I think the most Christian thing to do before voting, regardless of however you vote, is to, before you vote, have a conversation with someone who's going to vote differently than you. Show your neighbor, perhaps your neighbor that you don't agree with, and perhaps even your neighbor that the media tells you to despise, show them love, right? Have a conversation, say, hey, you know, I, I noticed the sign in your front yard uh, of that political candidate, and that's different than the candidate that I think I'm voting for, but I wanted to ask why you're voting for that candidate. Can we actually have an open conversation, an honest dialogue, and uh, you know, I'll share my beliefs, you share yours. I'm really just curious to know uh, why you're voting the way you're voting and why you believe the way you believe, right? I think that would go a much longer way than just having what is now typical argument on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. I mean, uh, you uh, see it as much as I do, right? You you scroll through the comments. Yeah, I've been in the comment section. Yeah, too. exactly. You know, we say some pretty terrible things to people or words on the screen that we forget are actual people on the other side, you know? And uh, I, th I think the impersonal nature of uh, our social media and social discourse now is a big problem. And even with that too, you're talking about uh, the way we engage in politics. And I think it's easier for us to, you know, just rally behind someone who's saying what they believe and is running as a candidate than to actually engage in these conversations. I think it's harder for us to 
make ourselves vulnerable with one another and we don't want to do that but you're absolutely right i think love is engaging with one another love is listening it's understanding it's saying i hear you i see what's going on i see the problem maybe i agree with you maybe i don't but i care and i'm going to do my best in this world to do what's right the best way i understand for you and for me and for the people all around us and i think this is our calling as believers engaging in politics to be salt and to be light it's more than just being right it's more than just winning and it has to be it must be more than just spite yeah absolutely and at the end of the day paul does still command us to submit to governing authority right so at the end of the day if the candidate you voted for the candidate i voted for doesn't win the election we're still called to submit to our government and to pray for our leaders mm-hmm. yeah I also really appreciate that you bring up our candidate not winning. I think that, you know, the election's right around the corner and about half of us are going to experience that. And I think that's incredibly important for us to despair because our political objectives, I I think, in, in some levels is sinful. And I really think that that's something we need to check in our own hearts. I think we need to check our motives. And, um, you know, back to loving our, our neighbor, I think checking our motives is incredibly important. We need to be mindful of why why we're approaching these things the way we do, not only because God sees our motives and he sees the heart behind it, but so can the world. You know, if we don't win the election or we do, it doesn't really matter. The world can see, you know, what's motivating us. And how are we to expect the skeptic to see if there's anything different about the believer engaging in politics? If we're just rolling around in the mud with everyone else, if we look the same as everyone else, not that we don't participate, but what's the distinction we're offering? I mean, I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm talking to myself just as much as anybody else. And if you're a skeptic and you see believers like me not living up to that love and mercy that we say we believe in, well, let me offer you this hope that... If God can forgive hypocrites that say they love him and then don't live it out, what mercy won't he show in your life? And to the believer trying to decipher how to engage in politics just like I am, then ask yourself the question, is love and mercy on your political agenda? Is that what you're bringing to the world? Are you being light in this world around us? Oh, definitely. And just to reiterate, I think that's why it's so important that we as believers engage in politics offline, right? And by offline, I mean off of social media. Obviously, there are you know different things you can do online through the internet uh, to engage in politics, but I, I think it's the social media argument that is so damaging, right? Because talking about identity, we as believers should know better than to place our identity in a political party, but we can't expect the world not to know better. And if we are engaging with non-believers who have placed their identity in a political party and we're engaging in hostile and divisive language, we're, we're engaging in, in slander and backbiting with them, I completely agree with you. What, what kind of representative uh, for Christ are we being in that moment? Yeah, I think that's completely true. And I like the point that you're bringing up about taking it offline. I think another one of the problems is that, you know, people of influence are using our screen time to propagate their cause. I'm not talking just about your Instagram pages or your friends online. I mean, there are nation states out there that are playing on our division, countries that see America, they see our democracy and the influence that we have around the world, and they want to see us divided. Absolutely. And I think there's a spiritual side to it as well. You know, I I think uh, the enemy, I, I think Satan it's his goal to divide not only God's people, but God's creation in general, right? It's his goal to divide. And so when we play into the divisiveness, 
who are we really serving in that moment, right? Uh, but I want to pivot here, and I want to ask you two questions, given your unique situation and position uh, that, that, that you live in Washington, D.C., that you work where you work, that you have the degree that you have. How should Christians approach voting? Say it's the first Tuesday of November. What's going through your mind as you step into the voting box? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, first, like I'm, I'm going to say again, I'm not going to tell you what candidate to vote for. I'm not trying to swing your vote one way or the other. But I think a lot of the things what we've already discussed kind of answers that question. We, should, we need to have perspective. We need to check our motives. Um, we need to have discussions about the issues. And then you take the information that you've had in discussion with other people with other positions and come from different places and take that into consideration. Understand that this country is diverse. We're a huge nation with people from all different backgrounds, from different cultures, from different religions, from different everything. I mean, some people live in New York City in an urban environment, and what's important in New York City might not necessarily be what's important in rural Kansas. Not that either issue is more important than the other, because people live in both. But we need to have perspective of what we're actually voting for. And we need to keep perspective biblically of what role politics plays in our life. Again, if your candidate wins or loses, we're still here. We still have a nation. We still have a responsibility to participate in this society. So check your motives and uh, pray about it. Listen to your conscience. Take it to God and then choose accordingly whatever genuinely think is best. And uh, I guess that's what I got. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I like the, the perspective point you brought up, right? To know that your hope is currently sitting on the throne in heaven and will never be sitting in the Oval Office in the White House. The next question I, I want to ask you is, what has been your experience? You've been living in Washington, D.C. for five years now, right? Tell me a little bit about what you've experienced in the political spectrum. You know, Sean, I have been so blessed, and I've had a wonderful privilege uh, in my adult life to have lived on the West Coast. I've lived on the East Coast in Washington, D.C., and I've spent some time on the Gulf Coast and a little in between. I've uh, spent some time in red states and blue states, and then here in D.C., it, no surprise, it's rich with different opinions and passions, I should say, when it comes to politics. And I would say that the best thing I have gained from that experience is just, like, exposure to a lot of different backgrounds and perspectives, even amongst believers. You know, in D.C., I've found, and I'm really glad to share this, um, I've found that there is a Christian community alive and well in D.C. There's, I've been to several churches, and I have friends that have gone to several churches, and I really appreciate that uh, D.C. is a unique city in our country. It is composed of people that come from all over our country and from around the world. And people bring their experiences and their concerns, and Christians bring their experiences and concerns here. And uh, let's say I've, I've met someone who uh, works for a Republican senator, and they have a friend who works at a liberal think tank or what have you. And uh, at work, they're opponents. But I've, I've known people to go and have lunch together, or they go and join the same hiking group, and they choose to be believers first and be in community together first. They have opinions. They have passions. They made their career out of them, but they keep it in perspective. And if there's anything I would recommend to a believer uh, trying to engage in politics. It's just just that. Be a believer first. Be willing to challenge your own opinions. Have perspective. And uh, mostly what we've been talking about all along is love. Yeah, definitely. I, I think when you were just talking, something came to mind uh, for me, and that is when voting, we look at politics biblically, not the Bible politically. 
to say that this party is the Christian party, I, I think is a logical fallacy because there can be Christians in either party. Yeah, I, I love how you said, and I might steal this in the future, by the way, that we need to look at politics biblically and not the Bible politically. I think that's great. I think that's spot on. And um, what I'd like to say on that matter is, you know, there are important issues that matter. And there are many issues that are a matter of right and wrong. But when we come to, it comes to politics, a lot of the responses, especially when we're talking about a political agenda, these are degrees of better than the other, which one's better, which one's worse. Not necessarily right and wrong. The parties might tell you that their approach is the right approach. And it might be about a moral issue that is right and wrong. But does their approach encompass everything about it? Does it reach every aspect to every person that is experiencing the consequences of this issue. There are many approaches to a lot of different things. And another thing I'd like to say is that, you know, I think it's important to engage in politics, but if you can't cut through all the noise, that's okay. It's okay to not have an opinion on everything. It's okay to not have opinions on things you don't understand. Frankly, it would be kind of nice to have a few less opinions out there. I think the best way to go about it is to educate yourself on the the issues and form opinions, but not everyone is meant to be a politician. You can still live your life and hold the positions you hold and vote the way you vote and not form an opinion on every single issue. And if you do form your opinions, they don't have to fit party lines. Yeah, definitely. And I think we'll close on this, but it's also important to keep in mind that just because you have an opinion on something, we don't always have to voice our opinions on everything. Because when we voice our opinions on everything, no one will listen to us about anything, right? But when we voice our opinions about the things that we value as most important, people might just listen to us. And so at the end of the day, as Christians, the thing we voice our opinions about the most should be love. And not just any kind of love, but the love that comes from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that is found only in the gospel of grace. Well... Ramon, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of The Christian Skeptic. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a great conversation. I agree. I hope we've helped someone out there. I hope so. <laughs> and as always, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. 